Welcome to another episode of Driving to the Riz with your favorite hosts, Inelia. Your first remember? I forgot. Inelia and Larry. And we're actually home at the race at the moment. Yeah, we did. We, we were going to do the recording while we were driving because, to I mean, rest. that was the whole reason we did this, yeah, driving to the rest. We didn't just come up with that name because we thought it was clever or something. It was like, yeah. when we were driving all these driving the to the reses, yeah. we should, we got all these interesting conversations we about did. all these interesting yeah. things. We should record them. Uh, so but our now, truck is so loud. Our truck has come out, yeah. Yeah. Which... Yeah, in some ways, uh, you know, it is actually driving, right? Yeah. In other ways, it's annoying. Yeah. It's nice to have good sound. Mm-hmm. So we compromised. Yeah. We have our nice conversations, and then we pause them. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to have to update our. Uh, in we actually aren't doing that much driving lately, are we? No, we haven't been doing much driving. No. I think I can count. The number of times we've driven to the res in a month mm. is down to like three or four. Mm-hmm. And yep. it used to be every day, three or four times a week. Yep. Just cut down quite a lot. Yeah. And going to town, I mean, when's the last time you went to town? I don't remember. Don't even remember? No. You've been a bit of a hermit? Yep. <laughs> What's with the hermit? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know? I find it more pleasant not to go into town because... Um, you know, I'm sensitive I'm, and yes. I feel into all sorts of energies, not just the EMF energies, but also people's energies, physical body energies. And it's very unpleasant for me, so I prefer not to. So you prefer the company of your tribe as yeah. opposed to the company of the um, unwashed masses? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I guess that makes perfect sense. So our, uh, plus, you know, we have... Um, our uh, roomies who like to go to town on yep. a regular basis and are happy members. to pick stuff up. That's right, they do. Yeah. So it's working out fine. And mm-hmm. How's that working out for us? Yeah. I like it. You like it? Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Well, we're um, making progress on the res. <laughs> land <laughs> we think, again. We think. We think. Yes. Yes. It's an interesting set of stop-starts, and it's uh, interesting because of our skills and abilities at manifesting, right? Mm-hmm. Really getting our land flattened and property with a house built on it. That should be like a breeze, <laughs> right? Yeah, two years later, we're still sitting on the messed up <laughs> land. At least we have the land. <laughs> yes. Well, we have made have progress, and we have made steps, and we do have electricity, and we do have mm-hmm. an RV. We have a barn. Mm-hmm. We haven't got all of the bits and the bobs done, but it's... It's a Very close. process, not a destination. destination. <laughs> right. Is that how we're going to look at it or what? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> let's do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, today, actually, what I wanted to talk about was your trip to New York, because I know... New York City! Yeah, because it was pretty amazing how it all got orchestrated and worked out. Yeah, it is actually... I mean, um... I don't know what other people think about New York um, as a city. I know we've talked about if you live in the city, move out. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, that's looks so like valid. they did that. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it does look like that's been... There's hardly any people followed. there. But 
the thing about New York City and a visit to New York City right now, it seems implausible that um, I would travel to New York to mm-hmm. go hang out for the weekend, right? Yes. Go see the sights. Yeah. What would bring that about, you know? Well, my daughter, Grace, she's 18 now, and she's applied to all the colleges she ever dreamed that she'd ever want to get into. And she managed to get 100% grades in all of her classes. Mm-hmm. And she managed to get admitted to Columbia and Stanford and, well, she's waitlisted on Harvard. Mm-hmm. All these fancy-ass, expensive, wonderful, neat, interesting yeah. bastions of the old paradigm, I suppose you might consider. Yeah. Because Western. they are, right? Aren't they yeah. the recruiters for... Oh, yeah. How would you describe them? Go ahead. Me? Describe them? How would you describe... Slaves? (laughs) (laughs) You you did ask. (laughs) You did ask. (laughs) Recruiters of slaves? Yeah. Aren't there other recruiters of slaves? I mean, I guess we got to talk about this a little bit. Because there are multiple colleges, right? Yes. Community colleges. Uh Uh-huh. There's, there's different levels state of colleges, <laughs> state universities, there's two the years. There's slaves that tell other slaves what a, to do. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's different levels of slavehood. Yeah. Is that how you look at it? Yeah. yeah. And this is uh, obviously triggers some people, myself not included. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. we've talked about this before, the education system, right? Mm-hmm. Although we also are the products of the educational system. Mm. Yeah. To a large degree. And uh did keep me asleep all the way up until, I think, what, 2010-ish? Mm. Asleep and happy. You know, I have an interesting story to tell about the indoctrination of education. Okay. Because when I was seven, there was a military coup in Chile, and my parents were taken away into concentration camps and tortured and all the rest. But what happened to me personally was that I was basically moved from house to house, from relative to relative, to, from city to city. And then my mom got uh, was released and she took us to Argentina to get away from that situation. Would have been nice to have listened in the older story time and skipped the entire coup part. Oh, yeah, that would have been great. That would have been but great. But it didn't happen. Yeah. And then um, there was a coup in Argentina. <laughs> so we were moving around there too. And eventually my sister and I went back to Chile. And my mom and my brother stayed in Argentina. And then they ended up in Great Britain, Scotland first, and then England. And I was then sent to my mom in Scotland. So I lived there for a little bit. And then I went back. I went to England. But at the time I didn't speak any English. And so school was bubble bubble, you know. But what I actually noticed as a child moving through all these different schools in different cities and countries and everything was that the older I got, the older the other children got, I could see that they were, the older they got, the more indoctrinated into being good little workers they became. And because I kept sh- shifting and swapping and moving, I didn't get it. Mm. I didn't get that. And I could see them getting it and more and more and more. And the older I got, the more they got, you know, it's like just little good little soldiers, you know, listening to orders and doing what they were told. And of course I didn't, I rebelled all the way. And 
when I was in high school, I used to go to school once a week or so. And they used to send the, the truant officer to my house and trying to catch me and all that type of stuff. Um, so you're a regular and, Ferris Bueller, huh? And then, I don't know what that is, but... <laughs> Ferris Bueller's day off, if you don't know. Look it up. Okay. I will look it up, I guess, because <laughs> you're not going to tell us. <laughs> and then um, what happened was, at the end of my high school career, when the uh, assistant headmaster came, uh, asked me to his office and he said, okay, Nelia, so here's the thing. In England, at uh, the end of the first part of high school, you get what's called O-levels, ordinary levels, or they used to, I don't know what they're called now. And GCSEs, which is general education type thing. Um, one of them is, if in case you haven't really managed to get a good education, and the other ones are, if you get good grades, you get you sit for the O levels. Um, but if you don't really get good grades, you better do the other ones. And all the children sit both. All the children will sit both end of the high school education exams. At the time, that was it. You'd set your exams for your exams, and that's all the grades that went towards your entire life. Everything you'd done before was zero. Didn't now it's changed. Now for the past last two years of high school, the grades that you have go towards your final numbers. But at the time, it was just the exams. That was it, right? So he says because you haven't bothered with a uh, coming to school or partaking in anything, I'm only going to write you down for one of them. So you choose. Do you want to sit down for O-levels or GCSEs? And I said, I'll take the O-levels. He says, okay. And he did. Because I got excellent grades in them. Um, but it was really uh, like that. You know, it's like I couldn't conform. I was offered placements in private schools for the A-levels with advanced education, which is uh, ages 17 and 18. And... Um, I refused it <laughs> because I was like, yeah, don't want any of that. So instead of doing that, I started my first company and carried on from there. But the, yeah, the education system, I could see how it worked, even though I had been taught how it worked when I was a very small child at home um, because of my dad's social status. He knew about education. Even though he did the regular education himself, Went to university, became a professor and all that type of stuff. I think mostly to be rebellious. <laughs> hmm. And his sister also went and did that. She became a high school teacher. Um, but the education was different to people who were not to be indoctrinated. And mine was accidental because I kept moving so much that it never happened. Right? It never happened. That indoctrination never took hold. And the times that I've been employed in my life, it's probably about six months, maybe, altogether, that I've held a paid job that somebody else actually pays me for what I do. And one of them was as a f- favor to a friend who needed, they needed a waitress, <laughs> an emergency waitress, and uh, I went to help her. So every other time I worked for myself, really. So yeah, education. Um, so yeah, tell us about New York <laughs> and education. 
But well, yeah, I mean, if you're well, going to be part of the system, that's where you want to go. You want to go to the top universities because if you're going to be part of that system, you want to get the best paid jobs and be the one calling the shots, right? Yeah, I suppose there's that. I mean, there's also the, why would you send your kids off to be indoctrinated? I mean, there's so many levels to the whole the whole thing, mm-hmm. right? And I can see the effects of uh, indoctrination on her, you know, mm-hmm. in her, um, what do we call it, um, her conformity. Mm. I suppose she's very conform. I don't know. It was like, well, if you got a straight hundred percent in all of your classes, mm-hmm. you're really very strongly um, focused on something, right? Mm-hmm. And we're led to understand that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Excelling at the system and doing a very, very good job of it and getting hundred percent A pluses seems like a good thing, and it also seems like a bad thing. What is it? Do you, if, see, do you see what I mean? If if you if your kid or you know or you want your kid to do well financially in the machine, right? In the overall indoctrinated world, then yeah, you want them to go to the best university and get best grades and get indoctrinated, right? Because that's how they're going to function within it. And if you don't want them to, then you don't. Simple. Well, what does what I want to do have to do with it at all? Because you sent them to school, honey. Well, they're adults to decide what they're going to do. Now, after 20 years of indoctrination, or 18 or whatever. What I mean is... I think it's a reflection of the system, I suppose. And that's the, the part that I'm trying to get at. It's like, it's hard to not be happy and proud of her for doing really, really well, even though it's within a system that it's sort of an indoctrination system and I don't like some of the consequences. Mm-hmm. She's sharp-witted and intelligent and capable, but she's also conformed, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And breaking through that, if we can have one and figure out how to shatter the other a little bit, mm-hmm. if you shatter the other, then the one is at risk in a sense because it's no longer important. Mm -hmm. The reason I think that it becomes and stays important for her to get all these grades is because of the other, the other device of um, do good, do excel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's very important to get these good grades and that all that, that part that comes with the other conforming with society part Mm -hmm. brings those grades with it. Yep. If she had dropped those conforming things, the grades would be irrelevant and not important. And the interesting parts going to class and learning about this or writing because she likes to write and learning some of the devices, getting a exposure to things that she might not other get otherwise get exposure to. Those yeah. things would be important but the grades irrelevant. But in order to get those things you gotta have the grades too. So it's like in my view um, it's confusing mm-hmm. well her aim was to be accepted in all the top 
universities in the country. That was her goal since she was like, what, 12 or 10? Yeah, she had, she heard, I think her dream school at the time is Stanford, uh, Stanford and then her brother got into Stanford. So she was gutted. <laughs> and now, yeah, it's like, oh, cool. Now she can't be Super first. <laughs> brother beat me to it. Now what yeah. am I going to do to, you know, yeah. excel over that? Yeah. So she got accepted to Stanford and, and. Columbia. <laughs> and. and she just provisionally accepted at Harvard. Yeah. And her Duke and her Northwestern. She got yes. accepted at a bunch of colleges. And so, uh, I mean, that's sibling rivalries and, mm. you know, whatever. It was her yeah. inspiration to perform, maybe. I don't know. It's yeah. like added a little spice to the fire and had her apply to places that maybe she wouldn't have before. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I really didn't know much about Columbia, honestly, until she got accepted there. And I was it was surprising and curious to mm. me because I really don't follow a lot of colleges. I know about Stanford. I know about Harvard. I've heard of mm. Princeton, but I think that's the end of my um, heard about them. Mm. When I was graduated from high school, I think we heard I had there was one like Trinity. I had a whole bunch of ones in the mail, you know, but mm. they were just names. Mm. And my dad said he wasn't paying for no college, <laughs> and I didn't have any money. You didn't know and that. I didn't know loans. they had loans. <laughs> if I'd have known that, I would have a giant student loan right now because I would probably <laughs> still be in school <laughs> because I rather liked it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. A, the other thing is that I acknowledge that um, I did f- become to a, some degree brainwashed, I guess, or driven or focused in a certain way through school. I definitely mm-hmm. have that, but... I spent all my time in the library, you know, I had a hundred books under my arm. I read every book in the library. I'd enjoyed mm-hmm. the environment of learning. Oh, me too. Yeah, so I, I don't see it as all conform and negative and bad. I only saw the part that I got, which was freaking awesome. You know? But you didn't go to university. I would have, mm-hmm. and I'm sure I would have had a freaking awesome time. Well, I went to university. And how did that do for you? Well... It was really funny because I went to one of the top universities in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that I became interested, I was in my early 20s, I think I was in 22, 23, something like that. So it wasn't that far from me dropping out of school at 17 after I did my O-levels. I never did the A-levels, right? And um, one of my friends was a, um, what's it called when a, a professor goes and somebody takes over for a while? What's that called? Sabbatical. No. There he went on a sabbatical and my friend took over his lectures, a uh, substitute. So she was a substitute lecturer. And she said, Oh my God, I'm substituting in a, this, um, degree that I think you would love. She knew me. And she brought me the pamphlets and things about the degree and it was communication studies. You know, she knew all about me trying to learn how to communicate and just being obsessed with communication. And I'm looking at all the the units in the degree and I'm thinking, oh my God, this is freaking awesome. It's interesting. I wanted to learn all this stuff. I want to do this degree. And of course, I hadn't finished my high school. I, you know, 
I hadn't done any studying at all after that at all. Like there was nothing. So I applied <laughs> and they had a system because I was just over the age when they consider you an adult student. Um, they have a system where they take you in, you do an exam, which is like a mixture of an IQ test and something else. It was a really thick book, longish, um, and you basically had to answer all the questions in the book. And there was all sorts of weird stuff from mm. triangles to trees and people, situations, anecdotes and all sorts of stuff. And it was really thick. Anyways, you had about four hours to finish it. And all the people were adults, right? I was the youngest adult there because <laughs> for most people were in their thirties and forties, some of them in the fifties and sixties. Um, and, um, I, within about an hour and a half or two hours, I was done because in England, the educational system there would train you to do well in exams because the exam was the only grade that was set for your life, right? So for the last year, all they would do is teach you how to do good in an exam. But anyways, the methodology was you answer everything you know. You go real fast through the book. You answer everything you know, 100%. Then you do the ones that you think you know. Then you know, do the ones you have to calculate. And then you do the ones that you don't know and just guess, right? Yeah. So I did that. And after about two hours, I finished, right? So I handed it in and the guy looked at me again. Are you sure? It's like, you still have two hours, you know, if you want to work. And I know it's, it's finished. And he says, well, you finished the entire book. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, and I was pretty pleased because it was really easy. As far as I was concerned, it was easy. And mm-hmm. most of the ones that I, I was able to answer, right? The first go. So I wasn't too worried. And I left. And then um the letter, I got a letter when I went to the exam saying the exams are today in about four months, we'll get, you get a letter of requesting for you to do an interview. If we think that you're a candidate and if you're, if not, then you get a, a like a, a no. Right. So great. You know, I got four months to put my money together because I didn't have any. Um, and then about a few days later, about four days later, I get a letter from the university that um, they're doing the interviews and they want me in on Monday. That's a quick four months. I know. And I'm like, what? I don't even have the money. And what am I going to do? And like that, you know. And what? how do you do an interview, you know? So I asked my friend. I said, okay, what's going on? She says, okay, so what's going to happen is there'll probably be the head of departments there. And maybe, um, so everybody that you might be studying under will be in a room. You're going to sit in a chair in the middle of the room and they're going to be in front of you, you know, like on a table, in front of a table or something. And she just looked, she said, just be yourself. It's, it's, they just want to know what type of person you are. Mm-hmm. And I says, okay, cool. So, and when I got to the interview place, everybody that was doing interviews that these were people who had already done like, um, the whole school in thingy, you know? I don't know. Indoctrination. <laughs> they were doing the interviews for the students that came in with grades. And excellent sports things and all that type of stuff, right? Oh. So the, the general public one, the kids. Okay. Right. And there was I, a little bit older than all the kids, about four years older than everybody else. (laughs) But I arrive and they're all wearing like suits 
and formal wear, you know, and I was wearing like this really bright, colorful kind of 60s leggings mm -hmm. with lots of different colors and a purple sweater top that went down to nearly my knees. <laughs> so you're dressed like Second Life. <laughs> and it was like, oh no, oops. <laughs> Um, so I went inside and it was a little bit scary because, yeah, there was this room full of guys and girls, men and women, and they were very serious with their books and, uh, I mean, note-taking things, whatever they use. And, um, they were, they were all sitting in chair. There was no table in front of them, thank goodness, mm. but they had those chairs with a little table next to them. Mm, okay. And there was one chair in the middle of the room. So I went down and sat there and, and then the interview started, right? And they started asking questions. Some of them were interesting questions, you know? And, um. Sounds a good conversation. Yeah, it was a good conversation. You're enjoying yourself. Yeah, I was totally enjoying myself. And, um, after about five minutes in this hour long interview, one of them started laughing, mm. right? And I thought, oh sh shit, pardon my French. Yeah, I, I messed up, you know? So I tried to fix it. And then another one started laughing. And then another one, one of them started laughing so hard, he nearly fell off his chair. Another one had to grab his chair because he was leaning back laughing and he nearly fell over. Well, you were I, not doing good then. No. And I'm like, oh no, what I don't did think, I do? I don't think humor and cracking up the interviewers is... It's good. Like, they're all dressed like, up in their uniforms. I know, uniforms the finest, yeah. This is very serious. Very, very serious, right? And they were like <sighs> really serious when I walked in. And then they asked me another question and another question, and I tried to answer the best I could, so not to make them laugh, but it was impossible. Everything I, everything I said would just crack them up completely. It was, like, really bad. I guess really, they really, really, really felt you needed a communications <laughs> education, <laughs> since you obviously got in, right? <laughs> they thought, wow, she really knows to go to school here. <laughs> no what they say. So... I said goodbye, you know, um, and then we left. I left, right? And I was like gutted, you know? Yeah, because that's not what you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, no. And they said, okay, so you'll hear from us in about four months. Same story. Four right? more months? Oh, yeah, phew. because it was four months from, I mean, it was what? Probably December. So school starts in August. And yeah, so it was like before they would send out everybody's acceptance or rejection was about four months, right? But that was four months when I was supposed to have my interview because as an adult student, we come in last. I see. Right. So anyways, about a week later, I get a big package from the university and it's an acceptance letter. Those are so nice, aren't they? I know. They? And I was like, whoa. One of the questions was, okay, so you want to come to, it was Dublin City University. Uh, how many other universities have you applied for? So I said, none. And they said, what? You haven't applied for any other universities? I said, no. Why? He says, because I'm not interested in going to any university. I'm not interested in this university, actually. I'm just interested in the communications degree. That's what I want. And you're doing it, and no, no, nobody else is, so that's what I want. That's what I want. And they were like, uh, okay. <laughs> you're such a conformist, honey. <laughs> And it's like, I had no idea you were supposed to apply for more in university than one, you know? Of course. Because I, I wasn't interested in it. It's like, it wasn't. And anyways, so that was the, the thing. And then, of course, I had two toddlers and a baby. And um, Generally speaking, toddlers are called babies. So you had three babies. Yeah, yeah. 
And then they said, obviously, um, I had to take a, a year. I took a year off from university to get gather my money. Um, and they said I could skip the first year because it was foundational courses. So I just did the last three. Um, and after, yeah, so I had to drive my kids to school. Oh, yeah, and because my youngest, of course, my youngest needed to go to school for me to be able to go to university. So That's why you had to wait. Yeah, I had to wait a little while. But, yeah, it was pretty... I, I mean, all the other students who spend all day, 6 o'clock in the morning till 10 at night in the, in the library near exam times, I would write my essays or the exams, and I would... Uh, I mean, the exams now, but the essays, the... Um, yeah, essays and other things. Um, I would write them, run into the library, grab random journals and books and write quotes down and pages and things and run out again <laughs> and then just fit them in as far as, far as I could in, in my work um, but it was it was good I, I got second by one point from Valley Victorian so it was pretty good and the girl who got it she was homeschooled she had never been to a school in her life and I helped her with her thesis too so I got that was my one point that got over me <laughs> But yeah, it was like, it was a different experience for me. And I, I mean, I was brought up by two professors, university professors. I actually went to university as a toddler to their nursery. I went into the university nursery as a toddler. And the, my house was always filled with intellectuals from different departments. And I grew up in that environment and I loved it. And I could have carried on in a very, very intellectual academic career. And I would have been stuck there. I would have been very happy stuck there because I loved it. I loved studying. I loved research. I loved learning new things and learning about other people's thoughts and ideas and experimenting with new technologies and all that stuff. I love it. Love it. Love it. But today's education I have seen is not that, right? I've seen that. I mean, there might be some of that and it'd be great if Grace did manage to get into that. But I haven't seen it from the other kids that we know that go to college. I mean, Cam and Laurie and stuff. I haven't seen that energy or that part of it. So, Yeah, with Cam, I noticed him when I have a conversation about something. Now he actually has inputs outside of programmed inputs. Mm. It's not repetition. He doesn't just repeat what somebody's told him. He has original thought, original idea, and creativity, and um, rebuttal. Mm. So for him, Stafford and his degrees in product design, product design has creative thought. Mm. So they have to be outside of repeat, because you can't have original thought if it's all repeat thought. Right. <laughs> so in his case, he got football, he got um, a reasonably good entrepreneurial type um, education within mm -hmm. a structure. And Stanford has some of the worst of the worst. I mean, <laughs> this week they started testing on babies, the little shots things, you know. It's like, come on, guys. Oh, my God. It's a giant university, so it has a lot of everything mm -hmm. and all levels in between. The mm -hmm. big, you know, some, some of the most recent studies on uh, the pardon my language, bullshit about face mask mm -hmm. comes from Stanford. Mm -hmm. Their study says 
face masks and asymptomatic spread is all bullshit. Mm. At the same time, they have the opposite. In Stanford, too. And Stanford, too. <laughs> also the same professors at Stanford doing the same science, coming up with the opposite conclusion, right? Yeah. That face masks are very important, and et cetera, et cetera. And the very original, Professor Io Danis, who's a professor at Stanford who studies pandemics and epidemic epidemics, he said the lockdown and all everything else is complete and utter horseshit. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. At Stanford. Mm-hmm. At Stanford's lockdown and, of course, <laughs> yeah. did the opposite of what he said. Right. His, their own professors. Mm-hmm. Because also their own professors said, lock everything down. So, Other professors, not him, right? Right. Other Stanford professors okay. in medicine. Yeah. He's the only one that's the epidemiologist and all of that. And he's the one that says, don't do that. But the other doctors say, yeah, you got yeah. to. And they, they did lock down and they did follow all of the rules and they yeah. did, you know, yeah, all that. Mm-hmm. I, I do see that their football, the football team in the county they were in, they weren't allowed to have practice. They weren't allowed to have the kids at the dorm. Mm-hmm. They weren't allowed to have the kids in the gym mm-hmm. on the field together or anything. And so the last four weeks of their football season, instead of canceling it, which by theory, because, uh, that's how the rules were for their school. Mm-hmm. They just decided to live on the road the whole month mm-hmm. and went to states where the rules didn't forbid them from doing what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So they're a little bit rebel, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. But in, in the case of Stanford as a university, I guess it's like other places too. There's mm-hmm. all the, all, all of the possibilities exist. You can become totally conformed or you can, Maybe pick and select and find the ones that give you the education that opens your mind a little bit. Mm. I guess. <laughs> it did work for Cam. Uh, maybe yeah. you haven't noticed it, but you haven't talked to Cameron about no, I have noticed a little change, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he was talking about starting a food truck, you mm-hmm. know? Him and his yeah. uh, boys were going to start a food truck. And uh, I had some ideas and inputs in it because I've been thinking about it for a while, too. Yeah. And we had a back and forth about it and some <laughs> ideas like, wow, those are great ideas. And some of his were like, oh, I never thought about that. So that's a good idea. Yeah. So good well, Before the extent of his conversation, we'd be, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't I remember. Know. He didn't have a lot of input. I don't know. Yeah. So there has been some maturation and definitely yeah. some of that. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to Grace. So she got accepted to Stafford and she got accepted at Columbia, the two main schools that she would pick between. Mm-hmm. And I... I looked into both schools and my gut instinct, I mean, my feeling and instinct was, um, well, obviously Stanford, mm-hmm. same coast, your brother's there. Mm-hmm. It's a good school. There's mm-hmm. opportunities there. Nice big campus. And the Columbia one's in the middle of New York City. Forget it, man. I was like, it's very good. You got in a nice school. Good job, honey. But what? Why would you want to, you don't want to live in the middle of downtown New York. But especially. She Especially with what's coming. Well, I found out later that she's a big fan of Friends. Yeah, oh, there you go. Yeah. And do you know where Friends is? Yes, that? yes. yes. <laughs> so, um, strangely enough, while we were skipping to the middle of the story, while we were in New York, what do you think was playing on the TV in Friends. the evening? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't make the connection, honestly. Yeah. I watched Friends before. I don't know where it's at. I mean, I could deduce it if I watched and really yeah. cared but I didn't care and I only watched it every now and then 
when we went on one of the bus tours, they said, this is where Friends is supposed to be set. Although, in fact, it's a set in Lo- in Los, Los Angeles. Angeles. <laughs> and it was almost, it almost, it's like, I was like, I had just started putting these pieces together. And Why Daniela is... picked, it, picked it out. She took a photo, you took a photo and sent it. And then I said, Daniela said, oh, that looks like the, the set, the set of friends in LA. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> she knew. Grace and I didn't know. I didn't know we were in New York because she likes friends. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's why she applied probably to Columbia because mm-hmm. it's Ivy League in New York that she watches friends and she likes that. Yeah. I, I'm starting to put it together. I'm a little slow on the up. But, you know. <laughs> so there's a little bit of a, Deflation oh. when she found out Friends was actually in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Yeah. But That's why it's always sunny there. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite rainy when we were in New York. Anyway, anyway. So, you know, I'm like, that's all very fine and dandy. New York and California. Geez, obviously. Stanford with your brother in California where it's sunny and warm and you have a giant campus. Why would you want to go to the middle of New York City? Especially with the conversations that we've been having. Mm-hmm. Go stay away about from the cities. Staying away from cities. You know, if you mm-hmm. live there, you want to move, mm-hmm. find your tribe, et cetera, et cetera. You know, mm-hmm. the logical conclusion would be Grace, go hang out with your brother in Stanford. And, you know, when what do they call it, it's, it's S H T F. You ever heard that before? Yeah. Well, when the S H T F happens, you know, you're on the same coast. We just drive down and pick you up. Mm hmm. Although she does not um, listen to the conversations I have very much. All my homeschools <laughs> seem to go through one ear and out the other. Yeah. I know it's sticking in there somewhere. Because <laughs> <laughs> I tell her all these times and she hasn't got vaccinated and she had plenty of opportunity. Sure. Yeah. And she said she isn't and she doesn't want to and she won't. But um, a different topic. I decided I should look uh-huh. because I got some of the emails for some reason... I get all the emails she gets from Columbia. I don't get all the emails she gets from Stanford. I don't get all the emails she gets from Duke or Northwestern or any of those places. But Columbia's goes right to my inbox. I guess I know you like them. <laughs> I don't know how they got my email. That's interesting. <laughs> and so I opened them and looked at them. I was like, oh, wow. 60,000 people applied and they only picked 700 this year. Yeah. And Grace because, is one of them. Because last year everyone could defer that wanted to, didn't. Mm-hmm. go because of the coronavirus stuff you know yeah so the percent that they picked is somewhere around one percent yeah super duper selective and uh she got assigned these people and this um cusp thing which is a, a scholar program yeah. where they take you and bring you to the museum of art to bring you to the museum of history you go to these lectures with these blah blah smuckety smucks that have really interesting things to talk about or at least it looks like it. Mm-hmm. So you get a summer internship where you get paid $20,000 for a college job in the summer. Whatever <laughs> job you can make up, you propose it. And there's a whole list of places that you can go. And if you propose it and send it, because you're at Columbia, they accept you. Yeah. You're already guaranteed a okay. And you get a, it's like, come on, that's pretty damn sweet. <laughs> what is these jobs? Let me check this out. So I, I became interested because the opportunities there were Pretty golden. Pretty good, yeah. Stanford said the same thing. If you mm-hmm. come up with it and write it, we'll fund it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Columbia has it also. But there's a bit of a difference between West Coast and East Coast, you know. Yeah. I lived on the East Coast when I was in the Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. 
and Washington DC and these areas and all that and the power places, you know, they felt very at the time when I went there, I was like, whoa, these are pretty cool. And then we went to Europe and I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> geez, <laughs> I went to one of the summer palaces <laughs> in Spain. <laughs> and that summer palace in Spain made anything I had ever seen in any of the cities of D.C., Los Angeles, Beverly Hills, the cream de la creams of everywhere in the U.S. We go like, this is the summer palace? Yeah. They have many summer palaces. They do. <laughs> <laughs> and this is just one of them. Actually, this one is so discarded. It's just the park now. Yes. <laughs> the real actual summer palace. Of course, we're not at it. Right. Right. It's like, oh, my gosh. I don't know. Anyway. Gulp. <laughs> um, where were we? So you've been to those towns in uh, cities in yeah, and I, you know, I was super was impressed, okay, and then I became much less impressed. And nice. so New York, DC, East Coast is like a, whatever. Europe, that's wow. And I had never been to New York, mm -hmm. so are those two little um, letters, the cusp thing, the scholars program, the you know, I guess the entrance into an entirely different structure. Uh, from the res. <laughs> from the res, yeah, completely and totally different. And she had wanted to go there. Yeah, I didn't know it was exactly. because of friends, but that was the exactly. debate for her, and you mm -hmm. know, to go look. And she mm -hmm. was interested. So, I mean, I was actually a bit shocked. Just like, where do you want to go to school? Manhattan Island. I'm like, <laughs> what are you kidding me? <laughs> where does that come from? Because she's a res girl. Yes. Yeah. She's lived in a village of a thousand her entire life. She's visited other towns like we go to seattle to get on the airplane you know or go to the mall or once in a while but the mall is five hour drive it's not like down the street or something yeah. so to have a dream of wanting to live in manhattan i was like where does that come from yeah. but okay mm -hmm. well when i read the emails a little bit i, I was hooked into okay at least let's look because mm -hmm. these are very interesting programs and this is an exposure to a world that you otherwise will never ever probably become exposed to right. any of this information data or people. Right. So well, let's, yeah. let's at least go look. Mm -hmm. And then we looked up what you had to do to go look. Mm -hmm. If you want to travel from to New York. Seattle to New York, you have to take coronavirus test. You have to quarantine. It's 10 days. 10 days and all yeah. this crap. I'm like, Oh my God. It's not going to happen. So I committed to let's go look, but geez, you have to do all this. So I told her, Okay, so in order to go to visit that campus, we've got to do this and do that and the other. I said, we could probably squeak around it. I can find an airport in like New Jersey or something, and then we can rent a car and drive in because they don't have the same restrictions for driving as they mm -hmm. do for flying. And mm -hmm. she's like, Dad, forget it. Remember she was yeah. here with you? It's like, yeah. forget it. I'll just go to Stanford. Yeah. When it was like the energy of I'll just go to Stanford was like, settle. Yeah. I'll just settle yeah. for Stanford. Yeah. Which... Anyone in their right mind goes like, <laughs> Stafford's not a settle school. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Stafford is like, yes! <laughs> so the whole energy of that, I sat with it and I slept with it. And it didn't feel right to me. There was something mm -hmm. off. It was like, that's a niggle. Mm -hmm. I had a serious niggle about it. Yeah. And so the next morning I looked again at the travel restrictions. And I had gotten another email from Columbia, of course. Mm -hmm. And it was a invitation for 
I don't remember what, oh, a complete virtual week visits, two mm-hmm. weeks of virtual visits. And it was a giant calendar of events every two or three a day, gathering with the Native Americans. I got a letter from them. The tribal schools groups every Friday gets together on Fried Bread Friday and they, they have an actual community of people and they gather together and cook, enjoy their experience and help each other manage going from small res to New York City. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's good. Yeah. Good support. Yeah, so I was like, gosh, that really doesn't look, that looks really nice. And then I checked the visiting regulations and New York City dropped them that very night. Mm-hmm. There, was there were no restrictions yeah. for any visitor flying in. None at all. Yeah. And no mask in this city. The mask mandate was dropped. You don't have to wear a mask in outside. Only in the metro. And... Only on the subway, yeah. yeah. Subway or the bus. Yeah. You have to wear a mask. And stores. But probably. all, everything else was dropped. No, in the stores you're not required to, and the stores can require or whatever if they mm-hmm. want to, but you know, you have an exclusion or exception mm-hmm. if you want to. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have to. There's no mandate or law or rule or anything. So there is a law. Well or the sub. But yeah, it's like overnight, New York went from clamp down to, yeah, it's Anybody. open. <laughs> you want to come? You're welcome to come. So I called it Grace and said, guess what, Grace? <laughs> no requirements at all. Everything's dropped last night. Yeah. It's like, do you want to go? She's it's like, yes, let's present. go. It's my birthday <laughs> present. Yeah. So yeah, we booked our flights and holy camoly, 300 bucks round trips. <laughs> It's practically free. I know. I spent more than that just flying to the San Diego or LA. And uh, we got a hotel at the airport. And it was an interesting one, TWA, from the 1960s. What was interesting about that was that um, the conversations we've had before about how the people who came like uh, to Ozette where we were living, Mm -hmm. they brought their entire stuff from Europe, Sweden. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. On a ship, mm-hmm. everything they could carry. I don't know mm-hmm. how they carried all that stuff, but they mm-hmm. carry it and they get it packed all the way to the beach yeah. in uh, Nia Bay and then a, get a tribal guys to put it in a canoe and paddle them to the beach down in Ozette <laughs> and then pack that stuff up the beach into the woods and build a city. <laughs> you know? Okay, Ozette isn't a city, but you know. Not anymore. It, <laughs> it had a store, it had a gardens and yeah, milk. And, and a post office. I mean, and, all of yeah. the milk and dairy products that fed the peninsula were from the Cowan farm, which is right here. Yeah, exactly. And they built it out of the trees. Yeah, yeah. Well, the TWA airport building was kind of designed by the same guy who made the arch in uh, St. Louis mm-hmm. and the New York City, or no, 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 the um, motor Ford Motor Company or one of those big ones mm-hmm. there central office is a dome you know mm-hmm. back in the day they actually it was an organic it's organic flower mm-hmm. shape yeah. it's beyond anything you can imagine yeah. i mean it's not beyond what you can imagine it is beyond anything that you see today mostly right anyways uh it reminded <laughs> me of the energy of the originality of design mm-hmm. and structure and mm-hmm. and the willingness to like what are we going to build oh we're going to build this Wow, this imaginary, <laughs> wonderful flower butterfly design airport terminal in the middle of the swamp. And they're like, okay, let's do that. How did you build it? Oh, I put it on the back of the menu. Literally, here's what it looks like on the back of the menu at the restaurant. Yeah, this is what and we that's what they built. Yeah. 
anyway, so the invitation was clear, and uh, we went. And I heard and had some assumptions about the city uh-huh. based on, you know, the things that I've heard from other people, yeah. which is it's super crowded, it's super dirty, subway's noisy, full of nasty crazy people. people. It's nasty. It's nasty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and here's what I saw. Mm. It was empty. There's <laughs> hardly any people. <laughs> there were, you know, a handful of people on the sidewalk when we walk around, but mostly... Not that many. Yeah, Maybe when I, when I saw the photographs, so. I always think of those post-apocalyptic photographs or like movies when they, all the roads in New York Everybody's are empty. Gone, yeah. Yeah, that's what I felt. There weren't very many cars mm. on the road. Mm. We got on the tour bus and we would be like the only one on the bus. <laughs> there was nobody else, just us. Mm. And this is the hop on hop off bus that goes right through Manhattan, mm-hmm. does a loop, and then it goes to the other side, does a loop to me. On Saturday, when we rode our bus on Saturday, we had some people with us. Mm-hmm. Couple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me just say, we didn't have any problem picking whatever seat we wanted. <laughs> but and you were able to sit together too. We I sat bet. together, of course. Yeah, and there was no line to get on, and yeah. you just hop on, hop off, and we're we're cruising the city and marveling at the, the buildings. You know, the buildings are just. They're buildings from... It reminded me of Europe, some of the buildings, of yeah. course, and some of the moderner ones. The ingenuity, ingenuity of the human, the, human yeah. creativity. It was just, just stunning. Amazing. Yeah. It was just stunning. Super amazing. And it was clean. Mm. There was a few dirty spots, but not that many. It was yeah. mostly clean. And there weren't that many people, really. I mean, it was like if we went to um, Walmart, uh-huh. there's more people at Walmart in Port Angeles. Wow. If we go to Costco... Yeah, in Squim, mm-hmm. it is way more people in Costco at Squim than there is in New York. When you want to go to the fanciest restaurant or the not fanciest restaurant, anywhere you go in New York, there's no line. Wow. Less people than in Squim. Wow. We, I, I, I remember getting there and wondering when I was there, I was like, why? Why Manhattan and New York? Why? What am I here for individually? I know what I'm here for my daughter. Yeah. To go explore this college and this campus and see if this is actually a good thing for her to make this decision not out of settle, but right. to make the decision to go where she's going to go to school based on what I want experience yeah. and it be actually there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then actually be there, engaged with here, and say, yes, thank you for the opportunity. No, I will go here. Or yes, thank you for the opportunity. I really mm-hmm. want to go here. Right. But right. make this decision based on Knowing something other than uh, low frequency, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's like make a high frequency choice. Yeah, and I consider data requirement mm-hmm. and exposure and experience as part of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, honestly, her first experience was repulsion, rejection, and flight <laughs> <laughs> because you go from a thousand to this millions of people city. Yeah. And we went, jumped right on subways, yeah. right in the I heart, in the middle. Subway, huh? Yeah, never. Wow. Right in the heart of the middle of the practically largest city in the world, you know, yeah. Yeah. in the middle of the deepest, darkest parts of it. Yeah. And just, we went right three trains in, two subways up, and <laughs> down in the middle of the end of Manhattan. Like, we got right off the airplane to right on the subway and right into the end of the, <laughs> deepest part of manhattan Mm. literally an hour of travel on subways Mm. trains and 
all that stuff. And you couldn't get further from Nia Bay, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> she was deer in the lights. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She kept it together, but I could tell that she was quite terrified. Terrified, yeah. yeah. Well, she hired Dudley there, so. Yeah, and uh, yeah. When I mean terrified, is like I could see the fight or flight response being activated, and she was in flight mode, mm-hmm. which meant that uh, the most safety was in conforming in the most ways. Right. So um, she was using that, and mm-hmm. she was very, very upset. Anything that I did that was different than everybody around us mm-hmm. was doing. Yeah. So it was. And she can't really tell her dad what to do very good. Mm-hmm. She could try. <laughs> but not many people could tell me what to do. <laughs> Hanging out with you has taught me that. <laughs> you don't tell me what to do. I'll do it if I agree with it. Exactly. How's that? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, that was a little bit trouble. A little trouble, some, tr- a little difficult. Yeah. But I had a feeling that it would be three days or so of that so that we would move through the flight and might be even into fight. Mm. Because you know how victim-aggressor yeah. low-frequency energies are, right? Yeah. Once the flight is exhausted, the fight comes. The, right. exer- uh, the victims becomes the aggressors. aggressors. It's the same mm. game, but mm-hmm. opposite ends of it. And I figured we probably would have some of that, and we did. Mm-hmm. And we did get to the fight part, because mm. she was very, very upset with me <laughs> about masks, about this, about that, that mm. kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I wanted her to have and make these choices based on information, and that required engagement. Mm-hmm. And so some of the um, school functions, since they were not in person, they had a campus closed for visitors. Yeah. They're virtual, but we're there in right. a virtual. So at least, you know, go to the talk. Virtual talk. Go to the virtual talk and introduce yourself and, you know, Engage, and you know, we had a bit of a fight about that. Mm. But once we managed the flight and the fight, once we had exhausted that and processed the energy that came with it, mm-hmm. the next day, completely different person. Mm. That's really good. Well done. Yeah. And that last day, we went to her campus again. We've gone the very first day, and then we did city, and mm. I guess I would call it immersion. Mm-hmm. Immersion therapy. That's right. what I was calling it. <laughs> Full on immersion, immersion yeah. till midnight, all day, every day at yeah. New York City, getting the immersion part done. done so that we could do the last part, which was after. Mm. After those had been processed, after all of the low frequency engagement parts had been dealt with and handled and processed and they triggered and whatever's and cleaned. And the last day we went again and it was like Shangri-La for her that day. Mm. And then you could actually see the the buildings and the support network and appreciate what was there instead of seeing the lens of mm-hmm. fright or mm-hmm. flight yeah. or fight. Right. Yeah. So anyway, that was the experience. And, you know, apparently there's an Irish pub is the best on the planet, even better than Ireland. Because <laughs> they don't have Irish pubs in Ireland. They just have, have pub. pubs. <laughs> the dead rabbit. Okay. We went there. I walked right in the door and there was no reservation required. And apparently, usually it's about a year wait. Wow. Yeah. New York City is awesome. We had (laughs) pizza. We had their choice of pizza places. Oh my gosh, we had the best pizza. I heard New York pizza was good. You had to wait for, oh yeah, the queues. There was no queue. I just walked up to the counter and ordered pizza in the best pizza in New York's places. We had several Mm -hmm. to pick from. So we Mm -hmm. went to a couple of them, right? Nice. 
And uh, it's not any, you know, it's no lines there. You just walk right up the counter and get your pizza. And you're, you it know. It was delicious. You know your pizza. <laughs> oh, my God. So if you never had it, uh, I suggest that you go while it's still there. <laughs> it's pretty damn good. So one question I have, well, a couple of them, is, first of all, I mean, you talked about how the, the subways closed for two hours a day yeah, so they yeah, can that clean it nice. up. Yeah, yeah, I thought the so subway was nice and clean. Yeah. yeah, it's nice and clean and it's not crowded. There's hardly, there was nobody on those things. Yeah. Every now and then there would be two or three people, yeah. but if you wait a second, they usually get off. <laughs> and the other question to me would be, even though we've been talking to everybody to stay away from cities, why would you encourage or facilitate for your daughter to go and live in a city, go to college? Yeah, that's a super good question. I That was one of the reasons I didn't even want to bother going. But the invitation and the call to go were very strong. And so when I looked at these invitations and the clear path, it felt like a weekend pass. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you are familiar with that term. Yes. yes. It felt like there's a weekend pass. We had a weekend pass to go. I am of the opinion that if she were to accept at Columbia, which incidentally she did on accident <laughs> for socks, because <laughs> they sent her socks, <laughs> that uh, she won't actually be going to the city yeah. for a couple of years at least. She and won't be going to the city? No, it will be online. Yeah, everybody was online. Everybody's right? going to be yeah. online, whatever university she decides to go to, right. probably. Right. Because of what comes, you know. Mm-hmm. What comes most likely is not conducive to gatherings, mm-hmm. and especially in cities. Apart from the accidental acceptance, has she made her pair mind yet? Uh, I don't believe so. Mm-hmm. What I liked about the Columbia thing specifically was mm-hmm. the Support. access the support yeah mm-hmm. the support of a group yeah which i think that's normal it's a curriculum that they have called a core curriculum which is unique among universities according to them no one else has it where everyone has the same classes for two years mm-hmm. and they're all designed to expose you to Everything. culture mm-hmm. in a sense art oh good mm-hmm. music the classics and literature um sounds delightful <laughs> yeah it's like when you go to school and you have requirements uh you have to take a science credit you have to take an art yeah. credit you have to take a that's language true. credit that's but you can choose normal. which ones right? but you can choose this one you don't choose mm-hmm. everyone has this everyone has this and yeah. everyone has this and it lasts for two years everyone has a shared experience of culture and a conversation mm. there's t- 10 good. or 12 people good. in a class there's 65 professors mm teaching the same class Mm -hmm. and all of them have a different flavor to it but they all have a basic this is what's going to be in it and then they have groups that can have the conversation about this so like Mm -hmm. it's kind of like culturing Mm -hmm. it's a as i imagine when you explain to me how some of the schools like there's universities that have really hard acceptance rates Mm -hmm. there's other universities that you don't know the name of Mm-hmm. And you don't go there unless you're invited. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and there's like seven people in it, or yeah. ten or twelve. And the way that they teach those, they don't teach those students how to excel at their job. No. They don't even exams. teach those students <laughs> pass how exams. necessarily pass exams or yeah. any of those things. They're taught another thing, which is how to rule. Yeah. And for and how to have a good conversation with each other. Yeah. Well, or even with yourself. Or even with yourself, yeah. yeah. 
So this felt to me like it had those flavors. Mm-hmm. That this wasn't um, teach you to repeat. This was exposure to culture of different kind of culture that you don't even, at this point, know to ask mm-hmm. if you're interested in. Yeah. You just go. And then it might be that that sparks inspiration. Mm-hmm. That, oh, I didn't know I was interested in French literature or I don't know whatever <laughs> else or Monet's art. Yeah. Because I didn't even know Monet had art. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. So I thought that would be a good thing for a girl, small town res, mm-hmm. to have exposure to. Because her exposure is our exposure. Mm-hmm. Because then when I have a conversation with her, she can she talk won't. about things that I have no idea about. And she won't say, I don't know. And she won't say, I don't <laughs> she know. she answers that to everything, too. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know. Right. So those were the interesting bits. So those were the whys when I went to New York. I don't believe that she'll live there. I don't expect her to live there. Certainly not in the next couple of years. I expect it'll be homeschool just like all the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. I expect that she'll be exposed to things that she wouldn't otherwise be exposed to in a way that um, will open and broaden her experience of reality. Mm -hmm. To give her... um, the opportunity to be and explore and find what she's actually interested in mm. because she actually doesn't know. Right. So that's yeah. why for me. Yeah. So I found myself, interestingly enough, on a personal level on Manhattan Island, a place I never expected to ever want to go to. Uh-huh. And I found that Manhattan Island was clean. <laughs> it wasn't very crowded. There's hardly any people there. <laughs> the restaurants and the food is excellent. excellent. There's no lines, no reservations, hardly uh, there is a reservations required, although you can make them if you want to. Yeah. We made one and canceled it anyway. <laughs> and um, furthermore, the subways and the trains and the public transportation, they're excellent. And empty. Often, and they're not crowded. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, they shut them down for a complete steam cleaning. Mm-hmm. And so the walls in the subways are pristine they sparkle <laughs> it's like sparkly even better than london's wow. it was like there's tiles and there's art yeah. and the art's clean and you can see it it's beautiful <laughs> and it's fast and it's inexpensive um you know coats and pants are like 20 dollars mm. not like here it's 300 dollars mm. interesting and uh as i was walking and i was sitting there i was wondering you know this is quite a bit different experience than i have been led to believe that mm-hmm. New York is like. Mm-hmm. It's like when we went to London. Mm-hmm. I've heard it rains a lot there. Mm-hmm. When we were there, it was sunny and beautiful. Well, we booked the sun and shine for you. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think London is the most sunniest, beautifulest place you've ever been. <laughs> <laughs> and uh turns out Manhattan is like that too, except for it's a bit rainy and cold sometimes, mm-hmm. although it does get warmer. Um, when we have been, when we went to Rome, that was another place that kind of caught me off guard yeah. because I immediately... Had a connection to it. And at a level that I didn't expect. And as we walked around in quite a random way, we ended up at a place that had significance for me in a past life. A past life memory I walked to, I was like, oh, the (laughs) word is, oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) And it had been abandoned and uh, fallen into a bit of ruin, but not completely destroyed and that that had been fenced and it was being reconstructed yeah. randomly you know 
And it isn't on any guide. It wasn't on any guides. It wasn't on any tours. It wasn't any here's goes looks at. And we went to all the guide go look at. Then we went on a random walkabout and landed here. And I went, oh, fuck. And I knew at that moment what was going on. Right. So you asked me if there was anything significant about Manhattan. And I couldn't quite understand why I felt similar to Rome. This, this is a fabulous place and I love it here. (laughs) And you're like, what? What? (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) And everybody that is my friends that knows me says, what? "What? (laughs) I've been there. That is not that. That is not nice there. (laughs) How could you possibly like it? It's like, I don't know. It's really fantastic. (laughs) And I said, well, there's, there's probably something personally significant here. I'll find out. I feel that I went to where I was drawn, which was the Southern tip of Manhattan. And I found there's a place there called Battery Park. And we got dropped off on the bus, and that's where we had Irish pub lunch. It was mm-hmm. quite quite good. And I said, I think I think I'll go for a walk here and see what it is here. What is here? And I walked fifteen minutes, and I walked straight to another building. A was... building that resembles yeah, the, the building in Rome, Rome. exactly and precisely yeah. in almost all ways. And I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> This is what it is. Pardon my language, but, you know, I am a fisherman sometimes. Or at least I used to be a fisherman sometimes. used to be sometimes. a fisherman, right? <laughs> and it comes with, the, comes with the boat. Yeah. They give you a book. Here's the words you have to use. Uh-huh. Otherwise, your crew won't be able to hear you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just the way it is. I haven't quite cleaned that up. Anyways, uh, yeah, I had the same experience and a visceral one at that. And before I had gone there, before I had... Um, gone on a little walkabout, you'd asked me the night before, and I said that I felt that I had a significant life at some point around George Washington time. Mm-hmm. And that is when that thing was built. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some years ago we did a regression mm-hmm. session, and you landed in the East Coast, and it was by the water's edge. It turns out this was built in the water. There you go. But we thought it had to do with boats. It does have to do with boats. Yeah. It's to stop those damn British. (laughs) No cannon was actually fired at any British, so there's that. But Mm. it was built for that purpose, and it was built in the water a little bit. Yeah. Since that time, they have taken the landfill from the buildings and filled it in. So now it's on land, but Mm -hmm. it was in the water. Wow. It was a defense structure for uh, stopping the British from invading. Mm. And uh, no British ever showed up. At that time, <laughs> they were already done, I guess. Yeah. But it was like a little idyllic fort yeah. in the same shape, same shape yeah. as the, the mausoleum trees, there. Yeah. And it was uh, clear and obvious with the trees. I mean, it was so synchronistically exactly the same. as like a take that time, plop it here. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. That's how it was, and that's how it felt. So it was clear that was a significant yeah, was. memory in place, and probably why I have affinity for the place. Mm. On top of the fact that, despite what everybody says, Manhattan is not crowded <laughs> or dirty, and the subway <laughs> is nice and clean. So people should move to Manhattan now? I don't know if that's a good idea, because um, despite the fact that it's clean and uh, not crowded, the ones that are there... Are double masked, triple masked, and with shields, with on. gloves and shields. Wow, that's fearful, man. The despite the fact that there's no requirement to wear a mask outside, uh-huh, they're still doing it. I literally 
couldn't find but a handful, maybe like five people my entire trip out of, I must have seen thousands, you know, because mm. despite it not being crowded, we were there for the whole week and we traveled and entire covered season. an entire, the entire mm. island top to bottom. We saw thousands and thousands of people. Mm. I saw five without a mask on. Wow. And those weren't, they weren't bums either. The bums, even though they didn't have clothes. They had masks on. They had masks. <laughs> five, wow. Five people in an entire city. So I don't expect that's going to be a pleasant place here directly. Mm. Okay. I wouldn't move there yet. Mm-hmm. Yet. But hold in your mind what it looks like when... In 10 years? <laughs> 80% of the low-frequency dark workers are no longer there. Mm. When the population, remember, resembles 1920, well, it looks like 99.5% of who I, 99.8%, maybe closer, of the ones I saw. There was only 0.2%. That, I mean, maybe they're masked. No, if you're double masking, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't because, that was not because you're required to. (laughs) That's because you volunteered. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you should move there yet. Oh, definitely would not. Mm-hmm. When I asked, I just asked Guy. I was like, "Hey, Guy, is you in there?" She's like, "What are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> no, not yet. Yeah. But you can hold in your head, hold in your um, thought what it looks like when eighty percent of the dark workers are gone. Yeah. There's power structure. There's all those things, and it doesn't have to be a negative thing. Mm-hmm. And some of those buildings can. I mean, they'll last for a few hundred years, but they're not going to last for a few thousand. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. And there is a structure and cycle that's there now that it's evolved into and it supports itself and it has the machinery and the wildlife and the things that are like it, like it. And it can evolve like our, um, our, um, do you remember that giant oil well drilling thing that was going to Alaska? Oh, yeah. The eagles and the rainbows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the same there. Eagles the birds and the crabs don't care if they live in a shelf of a cliff or the shelf of a skyscraper. It's still a shelf. Yeah. They're quite fine with it. Mm-hmm. And when the windows bust and they can go inside too. Mm-hmm. Not all of those places are going to stay perfect. Mm-hmm. But some of them are. Some mm-hmm. of them are fantastic. So in 10 years when the... What was that article? Do you remember the title of that? Imagine mm-hmm. what the world would be like if... 80% of the dark workers oh, are gone. No, 80% of the dark workers. It was imagined that all promoters of darkness are left the planet. What would that look like? Exactly. So that's the image to hold of mm-hmm. a city like, and an island like Manhattan. What would it look like if that was true? Mm-hmm. And what would it be like if that was true? Yeah. Well, I had a, t- a taste of what it would resemble. Yeah. Minus the double masking stuff. <laughs> It isn't going to be crowded. It's going to be quite supportive. It's going to be pretty interesting. We'll revisit this conversation in 10 years. We'll circle back in 10 years. Are we going to circle back in 10 years? Yeah. Or you have your doubts? Yes. (laughs) Well, okay then. 10 years. What is today? 2021. Um, This is April 20s-ish. 21st. 20s, 30s, somewhere in April. 2021. So April of... 2031, we will circle back at Manhattan, mm-hmm. and we'll see if the vision matches the prediction. The vision slash prediction matches the real. Right. 
Right. Is Manhattan, in fact, a decent place with clean, not a lot of people, um, excellent food, a supportive environment for um, the collections of past humans' endeavors to be, you know, looked at, mm. experienced. Yes, yeah, something like that. Mm. Sounds good. It's a good storehouse. It's a warehouse. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit more natural than it was, although I have to say Central Park was a good approximation of <laughs> natural. <laughs> it wasn't that much. I mean, Grace was like, I, went, I had, I had um, some sticky coffee-ness mess on my hands, uh, hot chocolate mess mm-hmm. on my hands, so I went to go wash my hands. He said, Dad, go to the bathroom and wash your hands in the sink. I said, there's a lake right there. I'll just wash my hands in the lake. She says, that lake is filthy. <laughs> Like, what are you talking about? I went down to the lake. Okay. Okay, yeah. It's kind of dirty. It's a little brown. <laughs> the guys were fishing in it, you know, and I was washed my hands in it. And they were looking at me kind of funny, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Washing my hands in the lake. So like, go use the sink. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. Okay, I did. <laughs> it has some global ascension centering to do. Yeah. I'll just say that. Yeah. It has a good starting point. Mm, that's good. So what do we learn at our project that's still not to be announced, or is it? Not yet. Not yet, that's right. It's not signed. Mm-hmm. Well, um, our experience at that not-to-be-announced thing will probably translate into some kind of experience at Manhattan at some point in the next decade. Yeah. That sounds like a good plan. That's like my it. plan. I'm going to keep it. Nice. Okay. I like it. Do you feel complete? Oh, yes. Yeah. Like half hour ago or what? No, it's good. Oh, good? <laughs> I enjoyed this conversation very much. Me too. Love you, honey. Love you too, darling. Have a kiss. <laughs>